गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए गौर भक्तवृंद की जाए गौर प्रेमानंदे I spoke a little bit about this recently at Audaria, so I'll I'll be repeating myself to some extent, but no harm. Um, yes, I heard about Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsitaka from Prabhupada, my Guru Maharaj, from Sridhar Maharaj, my Sivisha Guru, and also from Pramod Puri Goswami Maharaj, and it afforded me in each instance a different uh, window into the uh, fascinating um, personality of my Param Guru, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsitaka or Prabhupada. Um, and starting with uh, with um, my Guru Maharaj, Om Vishnupada, Bhaktivedanta, Swami, Prabhupada, I would say that uh, he was uh, rather tight-lipped about Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. Uh, and on the... Um, occasion of worshiping him uh, I remember once in 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 my in uh, in in New Dwaraka there he was there for must have been the the appearance day about this down we put a picture and proper for archaic and so forth he was very uh, I would say he was very reverential <clears throat> very reverential and the say was tight-lipped he didn't say much when the subject came up of Bhakti Siddhanta, then he would um, appear to me to withdraw a little bit, and uh, and in a prominent way, and he was remembering him all the time. And he personally told me that I never feel the absence of my Guru Marsh for a moment. But um, it, that being the case, there will be times, nonetheless, when you're remembering someone all the time when. Remembrance of them becomes stronger because of certain circumstances and so forth. So, when that would would occur, um, my experience was that he would he would close down a little bit, hmm? and um, almost appear to feel feel very very humbled and um, reverential. Hmm? He himself said that he only spent approximately two weeks or 14 days with Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur personally and not consecutively, but over this year, over that year, a couple of days, the next year, and so on. Um, he did recite, uh, share with us a couple of incidences about the Thakur speaking with him. 
Um, if you ever get money, print books. And Radhakund uh, uh, chastised him for once for uh, speaking to someone else during the class who had actually distracted him and asked him a question. And um, Saraswati Thakur said, so do you want to, are you prepared to sit here in the seat? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know these stories. Um, and uh, of course he wrote to him a letter about two weeks before he passed from the world asking for some service. Saraswati Thakur replied, it would be good for you to speak in English, which he took as uh, an order and uh, focused himself on that for the balance of his uh, his uh, his uh, his life with us <coughs> so <coughs> it's an interesting um, phenomenon because he had a, he had a distant you could say personal relationship with bhakti Siddhanta and was not uh, in and around his um, everyday personality seeing how he would interact with other devotees organize things and and uh, didn't even attend uh, very many lectures personally. But of course, of course, I should go back and st- and, and 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 this kind of underscores what my experience was when he first when he talked about first meeting Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. It was uh, at the request of a friend in Calcutta, come meet this sadhu. He said, "I met so many sadhus." His father was erring on the side of caution with regard to Vaishnava Aparad by inviting anything that looked like a sadhu into his house for, for, for dinner and, uh, and so forth. So his, his samskar for worshipping sadhus was very, very um, deep. <clears throat> but uh, it brought some um, apparently unsavory characters at times into the household and so probably himself was expressed a little bit of disillusionment about sadhus. And of course, Gandhi's movement was going on with another idea of, of liberation, a political, social idea of liberation. But uh, this friend said, this sadhu is different. And so he went to see him. And and uh, he, he, he said, from that day on, you know, I was considered myself his disciple. It was 11 years later that he got initiated. Uh, he didn't say anything about the conversation, if there even was one. He probably just saw him, heard him once, and and connection w- 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 was made in his in his heart, formalized some, as I say, maybe 10, 11 years later. So he seemed to have brief encounters that were very awe-inspiring, and um, what few things were communicated directly to him. He made the most out of them. So it's a very uh, extraordinary example. Pujapachita <clears throat> Maharaj once said that it's, it's, it's uncommon for there to be many disciples who are very enthusiastic. Usually there'll be a few, and then most of them won't be that enthusiastic. But he said that Swami Maharaj had so many enthusiastic disciples, it was uncommon. And his own enthusiasm, I think, was 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 generating that. And how, as I say, he took, you know, a couple of words, <coughs> if you will, a couple of statements from his Guru Maharaj, and made them his life. And so, Guru Mukha Padmalokya Chitetekoriyakai. He's the personification 
of that line of Narutam Thakur. Make the uh, words of one's guru and instructions uh, your, 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 your life. And so, Guru Mukha Padmavakit Chiteti Koriyaikim. So, um, as a result, my picture of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthitaka was a little distant, reverential, um, if you will. Uh, I did have the opportunity to, early on, to sell some of his books before Prabhupada had published um, uh, his Bhagavatam editions in hardback. We had some little chapters, paperback chapters of some of his translations. Um, and um, I think we had the Nectar of Devotion had been printed and the ch- teachings of Lord Chaitanya. Um, one edition, early edition of the Bhagavad Gita, um, the abridged edition. Um, but um, he had ordered a, a, a boatload or whatever of books of that uh, uh, maybe Chaitanya Math was had published books of Bhakti Siddhanta, Bhakti Vinod, and, and so on. And, uh, and on the Sunday feast in Los Angeles, and I was at the book table, and those were the books that I was primarily selling, whatever we had of Prabhupada's and, and those books as well. So I got a little little acquaintance through that arrangement of Prabhupada to bring those books with Bhakti Siddhanta. I read the Jaiva Dharma in what I call Benguish, <laughs> half English, half Bengali, long, 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 long time ago. And Brihat Bhagavatamrita also that they had published. And I was trying to sort it out. This is in a in the early set, 1970s. What was being said there? I was I I, I uh, persevered, I should say, to read every every word and try to understand. Um, so through that, I got some acquaintance with uh, with a little bit with. Uh, with Gaudiya Math and Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. But otherwise, Prabhupada was... Um, um, in my experience, very reverential when the subject came up. I uh, think he was tearful when he was offering Arctic to Bhakti Siddhanta in the uh, temple in, in Los Angeles. They, they, I mentioned that I was there on his, his Vyasa Puja, and he was, was going to give a lecture. It was rather brief, and he would sp- start to speak about Bhakti Siddhanta, and he would choke up, and he, he really couldn't um, uh, uh, be, I guess, externally conscious enough to remain there and say that much about him. He was just, and his mind would go to what he was like, what he meant to him, and so forth, and probably couldn't talk about it anymore. That was how I experienced Bhakti Siddhanta. Through, uh, through my Guru Maharaj. So the, the encounter then of a service opportunity uh, to uh, Pujapatrita Maharaj, whom Prabhupada uh, said he considered his Siksha Guru, and whom Prabhupada said everything I learned, I learned from Sridhar Maharaj, because Sridhar Maharaj was close to Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthita in the mission. He had taken sannyas from him directly. I believe there were 18 disciples who took sannyas from Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthitaka directly. So he was one of them. And he was one who was quite uh, scholarly and able to follow the uh, discourse of Bhakti Siddhanta well enough that after the discourse, I, I, he was often surrounded by 
other devotees asking questions. What did he say? What did he mean? And he would explain it. That may have been um, in terms of his Bengali classes as well as any classes that he might have given in English. He did at times speak in English, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarsati Thakur, and um, make it a point, I think, to do that, even when there was sometimes a largely um, a Bengali or, or Hindi audience uh, as part of his, his, his thrust. Let us put this in the present language of the world, which was, you know, English, um, the largest, the, mo- the most used, and whatever, as you know. So, um, so at any rate, when Prabhupada hosted Sri Ramarj in his house for six years, six years as a guest, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, then uh, they discussed the philosophy. And he said once, Prabhupada, that everything I learned, I learned from Sri Ramarj. He considered him a Siksha Guru. He uh, schooled him in a way that Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur did not have the opportunity to do personally. And you can see also from this the the purity of Sridhar Maharaj's Siksha, that he was completely transparent in that. And Prabhupada had the direct experience of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur through Sridhar Maharaj, who just was there. And, you know, and, and so it was very clear that Prabhupada had a direct relationship with the Thakur through service, even though he had you know, in one sense been a devotee who wasn't directly in the mission as a householder and wasn't around that much, didn't have much opportunity to render service and so forth. Um, and again, so Sridhar to its credit, was very transparent medium, media as he should be, and uh, the teachings filtered through and... and, 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 and um, uh, Prabhupada himself was uh, uh, prolific in his writing and so forth, and he was his own. He was his own self, and it was clear that he was. He had a, a regard for Sridhar Marsh, but he didn't uh, position himself or seem to feel that I'm here. Then there's Sridhar Marsh. Then there's Prabhupada. There's me, and there's Prabhupada, Bhaktisiddhanta. Even though Sridhar Marsh was in the middle in, in the ways in which I'm speaking and very helpful. So it's very much to the credit of, of, of Pujapat Sridhar Marsh, who was a dynamic uh, preacher within uh, Gaudiya Math, as we know. <clears throat> Although not an outgoing person, very introverted person, um, still he was a sannyasi, so he was put in, in the front and um, lectured uh, widely. And... Uh, and, and lived in the in the institution itself of uh, of Gaudiya Math. So, when he would talk about Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur, we would hear stories, of course, that we'd never heard before about Gaudiya Math, how it worked, how he reacted in different circumstances. Um, and so, I got a picture of Bhakti Siddhanta as the commander of Gaudiya Math, if you will, and uh, the power of his mission. In India, the power of it, the uh, details about his his uh, his uh, innovations and reactions to them, um, with the public and other sectors, uh, with 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 other Gaudiya Vaishnavas, um, um, insights into um, other disciples of Bhakti Siddhanta and the way he dealt with them and thought about them and responded to things that happened in the mission. So we were kind of taken 
into Gaudiya Math. And, and it was very, very uh, useful to us because there were many parallels, um, especially with the after the disappearance of Bhakti Siddhanta in relation to our time in meeting with Sridharmaj, which was after after the disappearance of Prabhupada. Um, but uh, you know, for Prabhupada, we got a couple words about the history. This happened, that happened, and that's it. Uh, uh, but from Sridharmaj, we got more firsthand. Um, information, which was very, very useful. So it, it showed us, uh, it gave us some, the, the figure, the distant and uh, revered figure of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarsitaka became more of a person hmm? and um, his style of, of preaching, his um, interactions with, with politicians, as I say, with devotees, with other sects, uh, his strategies, um, his thinking behind uh, uh, different uh, policies and uh, and um, innovations that he implemented, his thinking behind giving the Brahman threads, uh, beyond, uh, giving the, the Brahma Gayatri, what was the strategy, what was the plan behind that, his th- idea of how to implement what Bhakti Vedotakura had asked him to do, um, all these types of things, uh, the, 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 the picture of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsitakura's brother, Elite Prashad, hmm, which we had only a very uh, uh, minimal glimpse into from Prabhupada, although um, there were a couple of uh, devotees who um, were living in Mayapur and used to regularly visit with Elite Prashad. See, one of the younger brother of Bhakti Siddhanta, um, and hear from him, and Prabhupada was allowing it to go on, and um, uh, I knew those devotees, and they had tapes of Lee Prashad speaking. They they played to me and so forth, and they were inspired by him. But he he was critical of Bhakti Siddhanta, so um, when they brought that up to Prabhupada, Prabhupada said, "Well, you know, if he's going to criticize them, we don't, we don't go there anymore." Hmm? But uh, he was an interesting figure in the history of uh, Bhakti Siddhanta's formation of of Gaudiya Math and um, carrying out, as he understood them, the instructions of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. So more of the details of that uh, were brought into the picture. Uh, we got a view of, I should say, um, by the uh, uh, Association of Marsh. So it was almost like you know you were kind of like transported into the mission, and, and uh, there he was calling the shots. Who he would pick to go to Europe, and why? Why he changed? And this person, what he said when this person came back, and was um, somewhat uh, uh, was unable to unable to answer their questions, some of the questions of the West, and and so on. And uh, um, so it was, like I guess it was like being in almost like getting transported into, into the mission and uh, seeing the general Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur commanding the whole uh, of the mission, sending, let's say, emissaries to different parts of India around the world, his ambition to go to America for ten years to preach, and so many things, a lot of, lot of information, very interesting and insightful and um, very helpful, very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. To understand some of the things that we were doing, for example, that were passed down to us by Prabhupada, and understand the why behind them at the time, the relativity of some of them. 
for example, um, preaching strategies uh, that he invoked. Uh, so that was the view of Bhakti Sarsi Thakur I got from from Sridhar It was it was it was very um, it was it was endearing hmm, and inspiring. And in the person of uh, Pramod Puri Goswami Maharaj, um, who had a great regard for for Pujapatshita Maharaj, and um, had great regard for Prabhupada also. He had some questions about Prabhupada's mission earlier on, but they were resolved in due course. And, and by the time I met him, he was very... Uh, um, inspired and uh, um, uh, uh, reverential in, in his mood towards uh, Prabhupada and, and Chidamarsh was like a serious like Siksha Guru for, for him. So, um, what, but from him, he uh, promoted Puri Goswami Maharaj. This time he was over 100 years old. Hmm. I was fortunate to uh, meet him. He would come annually to the Vyasa Puja celebrations for Sridhar Maharaj in Navadvip. So at a certain point, I was going every year uh, during that uh, time in, uh, in in Kartik, and um, Purya Samaj would come and he would say something in praise of Sridhar Maharaj. So he, despite his, his, his age, he was um, quite old. Um, and then after the disappearance of Sridhar Marsh, some years later, I was in Vrindavan and I heard that uh, Pramod Puri Goswami Marsh was at Madhav Marsh's moth, which was on the Mathura, road to Mathura from Vrindavan. So I went over there to get his association. And he was there in a little room. Odayan Marsh was taking care of him. There was nobody around, nobody, no devotees. No, He was just there to spend Kartik in Vrindavan. And he had... Um, after the disappearance of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasitakar, he had attached himself to uh, Madhav Marj's moth and helped Madhav Marj with his preaching. By this time, Balabhatirtha Marj was the successor of Madhav Marj, and, and uh, Puri Marj um, um, uh, felt that he was a good, good representative and, and, and so forth. Um, so they were housing Puri Marj, hosting him, and... Um, and so there was Puri Marj and me and Bodhaya Marj, <laughs> um, and so uh, I brought Nishinga Marj there, and uh, and uh, gradually other devotees in Navadweep or in Vrindavan at the time were going uh, to see him, um, and I kind of had something to do starting with start with that starting that I brought Ram Das to him. Hmm who became his, recommended him for initiation. He became the publisher of the books of Puri Goswami Maharaj. Now, Puri Goswami Maharaj didn't speak English, really, very well at all. So you couldn't go and sit and hear a lecture, like you could from Sridhar Maharaj, for example. But he would lecture. Um, and there would be a translator who did a very incomplete job. But I know the philosophy pretty well, so I could hear the sloka as he was saying, the subject... The question, and I could hear the slokas, I could understand his answers, and uh, along with the translation, I could understand it partially. You didn't really bring that point out, did you? You know, the translators were not very uh, 
very expert, and neither were they, you know, did they think themselves to be. It was just kind of an ad hoc situation. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So, um, um, he had a very reverential mood towards Sridhar Maharshi and towards Prabhupada. And at the same time, he joined the mission of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsitaku before Sridhar Maharshi and before Prabhupada. Mm, He must have been older than them. I mean, let me think for a minute, because Shudra Marsh left in maybe 1987, maybe? 88. 88. And I think he was... How old was Prabhupada when he left the world in 77? Prabhupada was 80... Prabhupada was was younger than Shudra Marsh, I think. One year. One year or two years. I can't remember... Prabhupada was eighty-one. She was eighty-two. So that was in seventy-seven. So ten years, say ten years later, Bhujya uh, Maharaj was Shrinivas was well. He was in ninety-two, ninety-three, right? When he left the world. So yeah, Puri Maharaj was was older when I connected with Puri Maharaj in in Matur, It was a, it was a few years. Shita Marsha left, but he was in his hundreds. Um, so at any rate, he joined the mission before Shita Marsh. By the time Shita Marsh joined the mission, it was fairly well formed. Kunja Baba was the manager. Um, uh, I th- think they already had the Bag Bazar Math in Calcutta, the Marble Temple, as it was called, and um, Mayapur and wherever else. Um, and there were sannyasis and so forth. Um, Puimars joined earlier, I think as a younger lad as well, so he had an opportunity to experience the mission of Bhakti Siddhanta and the, and the person of his Guru Maharaj in times when there, it, would, it appeared to me that there was less of a formal uh, structure to the mission, which uh, tends to afford greater sense of intimacy and and it's one thing the person as the commander in chief, the general, another thing when he's not commanding. There's not as much to command. <laughs> Let's put it like that. So uh, my uh, perception was that the Puri Marsh's experience of, of Prabhupada Bhaktisanta was more like that. And what I felt from Puri Maharaj was this personal, um, like like a like a friend or family member affection for Bhakti Siddhanta. Hmm? And loved him like you know like more human like, hmm? if you will. And it was very powerful to experience that. Uh, and some of the things he wrote. And, and 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 some of the things he said, but it was very. Uh, I, I found it very, probably the most inspiring of the th- of three um, windows, if you will, into the person of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. The story of how he wanted to go and see the Prabhupada speak, and he got bit by a scorpion in the shoe, and and he just kept walking, <laughs> regardless, and uh, didn't do anything about it, and. And then he would speak about Pakistan, 
And uh, he was just really, really um, uh, had such uh, uh, personal affection for him. Afterwards, uh, when um, some of his disciples, uh, Ramdas, wanted to acquire property for him in Jagannath Puri to open a moth there, um, he had been speaking to a family about a piece of property that looked ideal, and so he presented it to Puri Marsh and he asked about their relatives hmm, and who they were and who they were and so forth. And it went back a couple generations, and Puri Marsh said, That person criticized my Guru Marsh. We won't buy it. Hmm. This is like <laughs> two, three generations back. Forget it. <laughs> we aren't going there. So he had that kind of personal. They don't like Bruges. I'm not going there. I have nothing to do with that place. You know, it was a very, it was very, very charming, very beautiful. So it was a different um, window. I mean, he didn't say a lot, and, and, and again, he didn't speak English. Some of the things he wrote, and some of the things I heard, it was enough to give me another, another picture. And it was was the one that, that really touched me uh, the most. The, 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 I got from him how much Bhakti Siddhanta Sasitakur loved his students, how they felt that he loved them personally and cared about them and looked at them like, especially I guess in this early period, as their very his arms and and legs and and, uh, and 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 was concerned about their material well-being and the moth, as if you as you would be about your own limbs, your own body. Um, so he was there at a time when it was like that, and he was feeling that, and and a corresponding human-like and closeness of love that uh, Purimash had uh, for him. It was very very um, inspiring. <laughs> so. That help? Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice, nice, nice question. Yes. It's a different topic. Uh, we were discussing about the offenses, Nama Paranas. Yes. And the, there is an 11th offense mentioned, which is the inattentive while chanting the names. And Bhakti Thakur, I heard that he says that this is the mother of all offenses. I wanted to ask that. Inattention, how is it an offense? We are not having any malice towards the holy name. How are we offending the holy name? And how is it that inattention leads to the other offenses? And how to overcome inattention by Well, I think that uh, the ten offenses are mentioned in the Puranas. Uh, Bhakti Vinod added in the tent of chanting. It's not in the Purana. And I don't know if he called it an offense or more like you say, uh, like you ask about whether it, w- it was give rise to other uh, offenses. Um, I think that um, it's, it, it, it is questionable how you could offend the Holy Name by being inattentive. And, and certainly at a certain stage it's inevitable that one will be, one's attention will be drawn elsewhere even while trying to chant. So it's hard to imagine it as being uh, offensive. But I think that what Bhaktivinoda Thakur was talking about was, I think that he was talking about it in such a way as to 
so as to stress the, the value of paying attention to what you're doing, in this case, to, 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 to chanting, that you will derive more from it and so forth. And if you don't pay attention to the chanting and you're inattentive there, then um, uh, it's possible that, uh, that uh, you're not going to pay attention to the directives about nam aparad and to avoid them. In one sense, paying attention to the chanting includes paying attention to the fact that there are, that there are offenses hmm? and that they should be avoided. And if you're chanting and you're chanting attentively, in one sense, as I say, it means you want to do it and you want to do it right. You're, you're paying attention to it. You want to find out what is nam abas, what is nam aparad, what is he saying here and so forth. So with the, in one sense, without that kind of attention, if you will, then um, you can see where it could spawn or give rise to offenses. As far as actual inattention, inattentive chanting, it could also um, uh, he could also be referring to the idea of let's go for a japa walk and talk. And so, Hare Krishna, and what do you think? And Rama, Rama, Rama. I don't know, Krishna, Krishna, <laughs> like that. That was not. Uh, that's not how we're supposed to do japa, which is uh, dhyana, med- meditation. Um, and uh, I, 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 don't know, I don't know if it's... Uh, I, I can think, again, it's not listed as one of the namaparads in Shastra, so it's a kind of stretching the idea for the point of, uh, of emphasizing japa, chanting Hare Krishna, uh, and he's referring to japa, um, in this instance, uh, should be done attentively if you're going to get something out of it. I think that that's the, and it's good to emphasize that, because we see people chanting their rounds, uh, doing something else at the same time, and and so forth. <laughs> that's not the way it's supposed to be done. That help? How can this be overcome in attention? Because in spite of trying many times, Adhikas, they face a lot of difficulties in focusing well, that's another thing. That, that means when you do set a time, uh, set aside time for chanting, designated as such, and still the mind will be will wander. That's a different kind of inattention. That's almost inevitable at a certain stage. And Bhakti Milotakura had talked about that also. How to remedy that? Hmm? <laughs> I don't know where. Maybe it's in Harinam Chintamani. He says, blindfold yourself and lock yourself in the room. Hmm? Um, so he's giving some type of, you know, kind of physical directive, uh, set up certain conditions that the eyes will distract you. And if you if you close your eyes, you might fall asleep. If you blindfold, it might be harder. Um, plug your ears uh, and get it into your head. This is the time for chanting. I should give all attention to that. Lock yourself in the room. No one else can come in. You have to prescribe something like that. So... Um, I, of course, say that if you want to, where your mind will go is wherever your heart is. So if you chant feelingly with the heart, as probably just say like a baby crying to be reunited with his, with his source, something like that, in a, in a, in a plea, with a kind of a plea, um, then it's hard to think about something else. Just like it's very difficult to think about something else when you pray. 
when you pray, how can you think about something else? And chanting is a prayer, in one sense. And chanting is is is, is much more than that, and it's 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 uh, um, in the name is the form, the rupa lila, and everything. But in a basic and beginning kind of a, a sense, it's um, it's a it's a prayer that we attach no petition to. We're not praying for anything other than for the service that the that the, that the mantra is really all about. But if it's done prayerfully, it's, it's prayer time now. Um, so uh, you think of it like that, then, um, and you regulate your time and schedule it for such, and then the mind will come around. This is the time for this. This is the time for this. Can't do anything else now. This is the time for the, this kind of thing. <laughs> Those type of practical things um, will be helpful. Hmm. What else? Quick question about the controversy I read about very much in passing, just a line, something about the name Srinthar Deva Goswami. Do you know anything about it? Like people wouldn't say Deva or it wasn't Deva? I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember that. I, I know, it, I used to know it. Uh, the answer is not coming to me um, now, but I believe that uh, the name given to him, sannyas name given obviously by Bhaktisiddhanta was Bhakti Rakshak Sridhar Goswami. And I believe his disciples, uh, with uh, the view to be deferential and, and respectful, refer to him as Sridhar Dev Goswami. Hmm? Um, it's like calling a guru Prabhupada or something like that. So they then they, they, they found some others weren't honoring that and it was like, they won't call him Prabhupada, you know. Um, we don't, we don't care for them, or something like that. It was something along those lines. So, the, the disciples of Sridhar Maharaj, they uh, pushed and promoted that, and, uh, and and wanted others to follow suit. And I, I think, in all instances, perhaps they they didn't, and then they were considered less uh, appreciative of and. Respectful, something along those lines. Hmm. And it's street our next word, capital D, Dave. What else? Some argue that's not the sannyas name Guru Marsh gave him. We call him Sridhar Marsh, you know. You call him whatever you want, but it's all something like that. Yes. In regards to um, inattention, uh, I I know uh, devotee, couple devotees maybe, who chanted for a long time and uh, many rounds, but they really mispronounce uh, Mahamantra, like uh, Ramas or uh, skip something. What's, uh, uh, what's the effect of such well, it should be chanted properly. Um, proper arrangement of the of the words and syllables. Um, I'd call it inattentive chanting. <laughs> um, so, uh, some 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 value to that, I suppose. But um, if it's done thoughtfully and with paying attention, and you want to utter the syllables and the names properly and 
properly in the proper order in Samantra. It's come from the Upanishads. Um, so you can't mix it up and get get the same effect. Mahaprabhu ordered his disciples to chant the Maha Mantra, 16 words, 32 syllables. Um, so, yeah, there's a there has been at times an emphasis on chanting a large number of rounds, or let us say that Mahaprabhu himself is said through the pen of Vrindavan Das, whoever doesn't chant a lack of rounds a day, 64 rounds, um, I won't eat anything cooked by him, something like that. So this was the standard of the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? In our times, the, uh, um, the that um, prescription was uh, adjusted, and uh, we see many adjustments with regard to that, and that um, largely in relation to the idea of having a, a mission, an organized mission for for preaching, and and um, in a concerted a concerted effort to disseminate Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings and in countries where. Um, innovation was required, and so on and so forth. Um, so, time spent in that, in kirtan, if you will, dynamic kirtan, compensated for time not spent in in japa, and the ability of devotees to sit and chant for long periods of time was lacking. I think it's lacking in, in, in many places, but um, this magic number, um, 64, uh, gets some currency, and uh, and so then there are devotees that got to do that 64 um, because they think if they don't by midnight, you know, you know what will happen, they'll turn into a pumpkin. So um, Mahaprabhu won't accept them, and so on and so forth. So these are you know, kind of details. They're they're not um, um, uh, really centered on on the principle. And, um, and so if, then, to complete your 64 rounds, if you will, you're chanting very fast and not pronouncing the names properly and so forth, then, then you would be better off chanting less rounds and, uh, and uttering the mantra properly, correctly. Um, and I have seen even the, the idea that, that uh, some devotees... Uh, Chant uh, uh, two, three lakhs in five, six hours, because their mind goes so fast because they're so absorbed in the chanting that they say the mantra so fast that uh, they, they 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 call it some kind of yogic ability of the mind, and so they are able to chant three lakhs in in five hours. But of course, Haridas Thakur took him twenty-two and a half hours. So. So that's the whole point of the three lakhs in one sense, rather than take it literally, which we could, but above and beyond that, it was he was chanting the whole day and night. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm doing my three lakhs in five hours. Done. It's a very questionable, <laughs> to say the least, uh, explanation of your uh, sadhana. And, 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 and I've seen this in, in many places, this like, I chant this many, and there's a abhiman, a pride 
comes with this. How many rounds are you chanting, Prabhu? Okay, it's like a comp- competition or something like that. that. Should be avoided. We should all serve sincerely, and we should log in for chanting our prescribed number of rounds and and more if there's if there's if there's time and as taste comes and increase. Bhakti <clears throat> Vinod started out with his uh, students with one and increased from there, something like that. So we've heard. <laughs> so. Yeah, should utter this clearly and chant nicely. Pay attention. What else? What's the time? Seven twenty-two. Just a quick question: uh, Who was the guru of the Lita Prasad? The guru of Lita Prasad was Bhakti Vinod. Yeah, Bhakti Vinod. And he ordered Bhakti Siddhanta to take Diksha from Gorkishore. That's what he wanted. Um, and that was probably uh, quite a bit later that he initiated. I think Lipasha was the youngest son of Bhakti Vinod. Um, so it was quite a bit later. Gorkishore thus Babaji may have left the world even by then. Um, there was a period of time where, where um, after the departure of Bhakti, you know, when Lady Prashad was helping Bhakti Siddhanta with the mission, then they had some disagreement and he went his own way. He became a little critical of Bhakti Siddhanta, and Bhakti Siddhanta did something very extraordinary. Lee Prashad didn't uh, have any preaching mission, so to speak. Yes? Yes, I have heard your answer to one question uh, about the devotees born in the Western world. becoming spiritual leaders themselves and there is a lot of objection from the Indian side for example those that are in the Gaudiyamat and the Gaudiya sects outside Gaudiyamat they are very very reluctant to accept any Vaishnava as a spiritual leader who is not born in India mm. yeah, there is very deep hesitation and reluctance for that So, uh, I have heard your answer that Mahaprabhu's associates, not all of them were born in Saudi or government, many of them were born outside. Similarly, by extending that, the, for spreading the mission of Mahaprabhu, the devotees are born in different lands and different parts of the world. And recently I heard one comment by you made on a call that uh, Krishna is not overlooking personally what everyone is doing, what preaching one is doing. Like, this preaching is for our benefit. He is not organizing that this will happen here and this will happen here. The devotees, they are a Shakti and they are trying to do something. Bhakti is arranging. 
Yeah. Bhakti is the one who's going everywhere and Krishna is only following. Yeah. So, if Krishna is himself not concerned, so how does he send uh, the devotees to be born in different lands? Bhakti is sending them. <laughs> and Krishna is going there. It means that uh, there, for example, there are devotees and they're Maybe they're born in India in their previous life. They do. Maybe they were disciples of Bhaktisiddhanta. Who knows? Hmm. And then, uh, then, as the mission is spread, and they, they're t- they're taking birth. It's some kind of transcendental system where they're taking birth. Hmm. It's not Krishna's there with a, with a scorecard and deciding who's going to play tonight and who's going to not and who's going to go where, <laughs> like that. But uh, uh, that uh, there's some method. To the madness of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's dispensation, um, yeah. it means that his swarup shakti arranged when Krishna was going to appear. Um, he told the devas to appear. He told Brahma uh, when Mahaprabhu was going to appear. Then his swarup shakti arranged for his elders to come and so forth. Yeah. So his swarup shakti, Bhakti is doing that. Then he's following, but that's only one explanation. Hmm. There are many other explanations as to as to um, uh, why uh, persons born outside of India can be gurus. I mean, there are many scriptural statements to that effect. Um, even if one is a dog eater, born in a family of dog eaters, or something like, and so forth. There are many statements like this. Um, and uh, I don't understand why they uh, can't uh, embrace fully the what is you're talking about the import of those statements. And it's something that Prabhupada did, and it's something that that Chudamarj did also, hmm? readily, heartily, wholeheartedly, without any reservation. Hmm? Um, Prabhupada came, lived amongst us, and uh, and there were godbrothers of his and people from devotees and other missions who would not have stood in our shadows without having gone and taken a bath afterwards. Hmm? They have a certain idea about uh, people born uh, outside of India and, and so on. But Prabhupada came, met them, experienced them, and... Um, and um, gave them leadership roles and so on and so forth. Sridhar Maharaj did, did the same thing, following his, his, his lead. Um, um, and Puri Maharaj also hmm, had that sensibility, but still today there are some, and I've, I've met them hmm, myself. And then there are younger devotees who carry that kind of idea um, that if you're not from India, then you know first you got you got to take birth in India, and, and so forth. Um, so again, again, they're, they're, it's not supportable uh, by the scriptures at all. Some devotees whom I have met in the body, but uh, some of them say that Prabhupada gave sannyas to his disciples, but he didn't give the name sannyas name. So that is just a wish he gave, but he didn't actually give sannyas. That's the argument. One of them. 
I mean, I can't even... <laughs> that somebody could think like that and make that argument is so absurd that it's... I mean, they, they, they know nothing about, about Prabhupada. They, they know nothing about anything. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's such a height of absurdity. I mean, it, <laughs> I'm just flabbergasted to hear such a, such a thing. And you have to look and see uh, what is the substance. Hmm. If you don't like the container, whatever, I mean, uh, what about the substance? Kibabhipra-kibanashi sudrakenanaya ye krishna tattva That's Mahaprabhu's perspective. Hmm. Whether you're American, Indian, black or white, that's basically what he's saying. If you know the tattva about Krishna, then you're my guru. Mahaprabhu accepted such people as his own guru. Hmm. So these are very provincial ideas, offensive ideas actually. The bodily uh, concept of life, casteism. Yeah, this is the one, you know, you talk about Indians have the samskar for, for Hinduism. Yeah. Right, and Vaishnavism is a form of Hinduism, so it's it's obvious. So that they're you know they're born in the culture, they speak the languages, and so they can have feeling for it in, in ways that will be harder for others to to assimilate. Hmm? They're natural. There's a hudge. <laughs> it's natural for them. That's true. There's something else that's natural for them too, and that is the caste idea. Hmm? And this is a this is something that it can very easily and often and more often than not uh, gets in the way of bhakti hmm? an identification with with varnashram sensibilities um, and uh, and that's where this is coming from this this opposition um, that the Bhagavatam is repeatedly kind of trying to uh, Expose and step on the head of Varnashram. I mean, repeatedly, again and again, canto after canto, really uh, promoting the, 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 the and, and, and that's respecting the Varnashram system, but saying we're this book is about something else. This is the par- parodharma and so forth, and um, and so so as a result, if the Varnashram sensibilities come into conflict. With the prema dharma sensibilities, then they should be thrown out the window. Hmm? Otherwise, it's fine. Hmm? And so, they, they, when they have a some scar for Varnashram sometimes, and and, and uh, especially the, the Brahmin some scar, then uh, you know they it's it's they can't very as easily come out of that, if you will, and accept a more like universal spiritual. Um, a dynamic uh, principle. Uh, so there was opposition in Thamma Bhakti Siddhanta from from Smartas from Varnashram against Bhakti hmm? that he had to deal with Bhakti. Even though he wanted him to deal with that, um, that's one of his meanings of Daiva Varnashram. He was considering these are Asura. It's Asura Varnashram. It's against. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission, hmm? critiquing it or saying that the, 
that it's it's in a higher platform than Vaishnavism. So you need to preach. He said, "I have a Varnashram for the people." Jonah, what's the real Varnashram? Real Varnashram is found in the Bhagavatam, where it's all Vishnu-centered, in the seventh canto, hmm? something like that, for the people in general. This is one of the explanations of his term, Daiva Varnashram, that he was being confronted with that. Bhaktivinoda hmm? Bhakti Siddhanta is casteism, if you will, taking in their own minds, uh, in the minds of many people in the public, a higher position than Vaishnavism. Hmm? So uh, that anyway, the, the Indians they they tend to carry this, and it can it can very much get in the way. Hmm? They can have kind of a racist uh, perspective. Hmm? It's un- unfortunate, and Prabhupada didn't have that. You can see he was completely off the bodily p- conception of life. He, Bhakti Vinod, he said, and. Krishna appears yoga after yoga, not only in India, in other places. We think that the idea of dharma is, is more concise here, but it's also manifest in other places and should be respected. So this is, you know, the Barabahi Vaishnava rather than Saragrahi Vaishnava. The Vaishnava holds a, carries a burden of sectarianism and... and um, Externals and so forth, and, and, and in this instance, it can become Vaishnava Parad. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's, and I I hear Western devotees, disciples of Prabhupada, some of them <laughs> preaching this. I think, well, where is it gone? How can they come up with this kind of thing? Did they not know Prabhupada? I mean, I, I realize there are many circumstances and disappointments that they've experienced with leaders and. And um, their godbrothers and so forth, but still, I mean, there is a philosophy here. It needs to be embraced. All right. Sri Siddhaji Gopal ki jai. Uri Vaishnav Guru Paramparaki jai. Uri Bhaktivinoda ki jai. Uri Bhaktivinoda ki jai.